This is episode number 173 with Dr. Will Cole. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? I just wanted to quickly remind you that if you haven't already, make sure you hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app. Mine is Himalaya. For those of you that have not heard of Himalaya, it's an epic brand new podcast app which has so many awesome and unique features no other podcast app has, like episode and channel playlists. It's free, so easy to find new shows, and is really user-friendly. So head on over to the app or Google Play Store to download it today. Don't forget to follow me once you're done so that you can listen to my episodes one day earlier than they're usually released. Pretty cool, huh? This episode is brought to you by Uveda. As you guys know, I'm obsessed with Ayurveda and Uveda is an epic, heart-centered, family-owned Ayurvedic company with a larger-than-life vision to create a healthier, happier world using the intelligence of Mother Nature. Now, I truly wish that none of us needed supplements. But in this modern world, with the depletion in our soil and with the full lives we all lead these days, sometimes our bodies need some extra love and support. This is why I love Uveda. They are such high-grade, Ayurvedically developed supplements to support not only your body, but your mind and soul too, helping you rebalance and come back to homeostasis, which is what the body wants. I love their mood supplements and love how they come in individual packs, perfect for someone who travels as much as I do. Now, I've teamed up with Uveda to give you, the Epic MA Tribe, 35% off your first order. So all you have to do is head to melissaambrosini.com forward slash Uveda, and that is spelt Y-O-U-V-E-D-A, and you can get your 35% off your first order right now. Dr. Will Cole is a leading functional medicine expert. He specializes in clinically investigating underlying factors of chronic disease and customizing health programs for thyroid issues, autoimmune conditions, hormonal dysfunctions, digestive disorders, and brain problems. Dr. Cole was named one of the top 50 functional medicine and integrative doctors in the nation and is a health expert for Mind Body Green and Goop. And he is also the author of the book Ketotarian, the mostly plant-based plan to burn fat, boost your energy, crush your cravings, and calm inflammation, in which he melds the powerful benefits of a ketogenic diet with a plant-based one. Now, I'm so excited for you guys to hear this conversation because in this episode, we chat about why you need to eat a majority plant-based diet, his story and how he got to where he is today, 
how to inspire your children to eat healthy, what is functional and integrative medicine and how it differs from conventional medicine, the power of a ketogenic diet, the problems with a conventional ketogenic diet, the orthorexic dilemma and how to overcome it, how to de-stress, the health benefits of a plant-based diet, how to shift your energy from work mode to home mode, plus so much more. And for everything that Dr. Will and I mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that is over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 173. But before we dive into today's episode, I want to read the review of the week. And this week it comes from Fit Nature and it's a five-star review titled Inspiring. And she says, amazing. I love the people you interview and the Monday motivations. I'm slowly learning to focus on myself and to do more self-care. And Melissa, you have helped me do this. So thank you. For anyone that needs some self-love, motivation and inspiration, go and have a listen. Thank you so much for that beautiful five-star review. I'm so grateful. And if you want to be the review of the week for next week, head on over to iTunes and leave that review right now. I would be so grateful. And now let's bring on the one, the only, Dr. Will Cole. Welcome, Will. I am so excited to have you on the show today. But before we dive in, can you please tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? Well, I typically intermittent fast in the morning, so I had nothing but Earl Grey tea. And the reason why I have Earl Grey tea and why I'm intermittent fasting is because of the bergamot in in Earl Grey tea, which has been shown to enhance autophagy, which intermittent fasting also increases autophagy. So most mornings I intermittent fast with Earl, Earl Grey tea. Mm, okay. I'm so excited to dive into our conversation and go even further into that today. But I feel like, you know, we all know that eating a majority plant-based diet is the way to go. You know, like everyone, I feel like everyone knows this. Maybe they don't. Maybe it's just the little health bubble that we're in. You know, there's so much science and data out there now, which we cannot ignore. So can you tell us from your perspective why a majority plant-based diet is the way to vibrant health and reducing inflammation? Our bodies are alive because of brilliant biochemistry and the foods we eat instruct our biochemistry. And most of the health problems that we see today and most of the reason of, of how long we live or how short we live is due to choices we make or this field of epigenetics. And these are the lifestyle things like the foods that we eat, but also our stress levels and activity levels and exposure to environmental toxins. These epigenetic factors are constantly and dynamically instructing our genetic expression. So the foods that we eat wield a lot of power in turning off and turning on genes and influencing our microbiome, which is the foundation of health. So as you had said, there's so much concrete evidence of showing plant foods being a positive instructor of our genetics, a positive instructor of our biochemistry and our microbiome, which is really the foundation of health. Yeah, it's, it's just, I feel like it's everywhere these days. 
And you seem so young. How did you get into all of this? Like, how did you get to where you are today? Can you tell us, take us back a little bit and tell us about your story and how you got to where you are today doing this amazing work that you're now doing? Yeah, I've been seeing patients for the past 10 years. Um, and I grew up in, in, the wellness world in the sense of my parents were interested in health. And this was before it was cool on social media. There was no social media in the 1980s and the 1990s in the countryside of Pennsylvania. Most people were not interested in wellness and health, but I was the kid drinking the weird adaptogenic tonic and, you know, having sprouted this and raw organic that. But I wasn't the coolest kid to have like a sleepover, <laughs> but I was that sent the, set the foundation of what I knew about food and health and wellness. What, so I, would, I knew I wanted to get into healthcare. I'd gone to an integrative school called Southern California University of Health Sciences in Los Angeles. And a guy called Datis Karazian had gone to my school. He was older than I was. And he was talking about this thing called functional medicine. And I really, loved it from the moment I heard about it. And now, you know, all these years later, I see patients around the world, about 90% of my patients are via webcam consultations. And I just stand here at my standing desk, consulting people about this field of healthcare, looking at the root cause of why they're sick and giving a functional medicine perspective on their case. But it really, all of that had its beginnings when I was growing up and learning about food and about herbs and about wellness as a whole. So it really kind of, and I think this probably is applicable for all of us that our youth and what we're exposed to from a young age can really set the stage for how we see the world and and what we do. I bet you are really thanking your parents now. I'm, I know at the time when you weren't the coolest kid on the block to have the sleepovers, you're probably like, mom, why do I have to eat this flax crackers and spirulina? But I bet now you're like, thank you so much. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. You know, it, it's it's one of those things that I had to make that transition from something because my parents said it to owning it for myself. And I think now that I have kids, I I see that for them. I see myself in them in the way that like, yeah, they get it. They 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 are doing it because I'm saying this is what we're eating. But at one day in their life, they're going to make the decision for themselves what they're going to do with food and wellness and how they take care of themselves. Let's just talk about that for a second, because I know a lot of my listeners have children or they want to have children. And I always say, I have a 12-year-old bonus son, and I always say to him, you'll thank me one day. You'll thank me one day for putting this delicious, nourishing food on your plate. And I mean, he is an angel. He, he just eats it. But I'm sure sometimes he thinks, oh my gosh, please, not again. But I know that he will thank me later. And how can we instill this within our children without being pushy and you know, just, just allowing them to come to it within themselves. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. I think as we, as parents know, every kid is different. So I think you have to kind of speak their love language in that way and how they receive information and, and things. So it has to be on an individual basis, but as a general rule, you want to make it age appropriate and you want to make it fun and you want to make it non-dogmatic and really just educate them on their level in a way that that resonates with them 
I think that's important where it's not about, oh, you can't have all these foods, but it's like, okay, how can you love your body enough to nourish it with good foods? Oh, look at all the stuff you get to eat and focus on all of that. So instead of it being this dieting thing that really nobody should be focusing on, this restrictive, punishing your body, this boring thing, eating like a rabbit to be healthy, this is not where we're at, I think, as a culture anymore. And I think that we need to shift the paradigm within ourselves first, but then ultimately kind of share this love of wellness, this fun of wellness to our kids as well. Yeah, such a great idea. And I think making it fun, like you said, is really important. Yeah, absolutely. So for someone who has never heard the term functional medicine, can you please explain what that is? Sure. So another word for functional medicine is integrative medicine or systems medicine, uh, because we're looking at the underlying systems of the body that give rise to our health or lack thereof. So the main differences between functional medicine and mainstream medicine, if you had to sort of break it down, number one, in functional medicine, we interpret labs using a thinner reference range. So anybody that's listening is going to know, hey, when I go to my GP, I'm going to have my number on the lab and then this reference range. Well, we get that reference range, that normal quote unquote range from a statistical bell curve average of people who go to labs. And if you go to another lab, you'll see that reference range will vary from lab to lab with a few exceptions. Most of them are not standardized. So we have to ask the question, who are people that are typically going to labs? They're people with health problems. So there's a lot of people that are going to the doctor and saying, hey, I don't feel good. Can you run some labs? I have this fatigue or brain fog or these symptoms, these inflammatory symptoms. And the doctor says, hey, let's, okay, here's the labs. The labs are largely or entirely quote unquote normal, even though the person knows, heck, I don't feel normal. I know something's going wrong. And they're told you're just depressed. Here's an antidepressant, or you're just getting older, or you just need to lose weight. All these sort of well-intentioned reasons as why you could be having symptoms despite normal labs. What they're unintentionally telling you is that you're a lot like the other people with health problems that make up the reference range of the lab that you're being compared to. And just because something's common doesn't make it normal. And comparing yourself to the common people who go to labs isn't doing you any good to understand what's the root reason of why you're going through what you're going through. So in functional medicine, we take people with health problems out of that reference range to see where optimal vitality is, where where is your body functioning the best, hence our name functional medicine. So we're looking at the sort of this optimal health uh, range instead of the gray area. Because there's a lot of people that are in this gray area where they're not outside the lab's reference range, but they're still symptomatic. They still don't feel well. They aren't living a vibrant, healthy life. That's the first thing we do. And the second thing we do in functional medicine is we run more comprehensive labs. So we're looking at these root facets that give rise to health problems. So things like microbiome problems or toxicity issues or viral infections or bacterial overgrowths, whatever the case may be, we want to look to the root pieces of the puzzle that explain why somebody feels the way that they do. And then we realize we're all different and there's not a cookie cutter approach to getting healthy. And what works for one person may not work for the next person. You try to, what we want to do is really see the person as an individual. We use labs, we use health history comprehensively to really see the individual as the unique being that they are. So that's how we see healthcare, really. And I think a lot of people fall through the cracks 
of this conventional model of care because everybody with the same diagnosis code is given the same medication. Everybody's on the same medication that's given this specific diagnosis code. And a lot of people, that fails a lot of people or they're doing everything their doctor tells them to do, but they're still struggling. So in functional medicine, we're trying to move past that that label of the diagnosis code and actually get to the root reason why they're struggling. So that's in a nutshell what functional medicine is. We use food as medicine, we use herbal botanical medicines, we use medications when needed, we use lifestyle changes, really to be holistic and comprehensive, but based on labs and evidence. Mm, I absolutely love that. And that's totally what I subscribe to, this holistic, whole body, bio-individual way of looking at health and wellness, because we aren't all the same. Like you said, it's, it's, everyone is so different and we live in different environments and we've all got different body types. But I'm curious to hear in your latest book, Ketotarian, I love the title, by the way, I thought that was awesome. And the subtitle is The Mostly Plant-Based Plan to Burn Fat, Boost Your Energy, Crush Your Cravings, and Calm Inflammation. I think that's an amazing title. But we can't really stand here and say that keto is for everyone because in my house, like my husband is a very Vata body type, and he did ketogenic diet last year, and it almost killed him. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. Well, and that's part of the reason why I wrote Ketotarian, because it's a plant-based ketogenic book. I think if you look at the way that the ketogenic diet is done on social media, you'll see lots of meat and dairy, bacon and cheese, (laughs) and that's good for some people in the short term. They'll lose weight, and they're off of a lot of the garbage and the refined junk food of the standard Western diet. But what does long-term wellness look like for this way of eating? And I think a lot of people don't do well on lots of meat. They maybe have dairy sensitivities and they're avoiding vegetables and plant foods because it's because it has varying amounts of carbohydrates, not knowing the fact that fiber, which is it, by definition carbohydrates, is actually really important for the microbiome and for our body. So that's why I created Ketotarian, to be a metabolic foundation for the body. So in Ketotarian, I explained to go eight weeks plant-based keto. And by plant-based keto, I mean there's vegan keto and someone can be completely vegan keto or they could go vegetarian keto. They bring in some you know, pasture-raised eggs or ghee and then there's pescatarian keto and then do that for eight weeks. And then from there, why are we doing that for eight weeks is to create metabolic flexibility. It's to shift your body from being a sugar burner to a fat burner, which every human being could benefit from. Because most of us in the West, whether in Australia, United States, in the UK, throughout Europe, most of us are in varying forms of of sugar burning mode. So that's akin to sort of kindling on a fire. And, you know, we know the kindling on the fire will create light, but it's short-lived to keep putting more kindling on a fire. And that's why the standard Western advice is to what? If you want to balance your blood sugar, you have to have six small meals a day. That's because you have six opportunities to put kindling on a fire because if you don't, you'll get hangry and irritable and weak and all of these symptoms of the blood sugar roller coaster. That is an option for people, but there is another option from a metabolic standpoint and that is putting a log in the fire and that is burning fat for fuel, healthy fats. And what I would say in ketotarian, healthy plant fats primarily. And that is what our ancestors would have been in times of ketosis. 
So this is in alignment with the biochemistry. And if you look at really the rise of autoimmune conditions and inflammatory issues, the problem is, one of the major problems is, is because there's a mismatch between our DNA, which hasn't changed in 10,000 years, and the world around us, these epigenetic factors has changed very dramatically over a very short period of time. And the human body isn't used to really being overfed all day long with varying forms of carbohydrates. And by carbohydrates, I mean anything from the cleaner kindling of the real food movement of whole grains and legumes and fruits and juices and all of that stuff to the dirty kindling of the standard Western diet, refined carbs and junk food and that stuff. Ultimately, it's all sugar. Uh, some is better, some is not so good, but it is ultimately kindling on a fire. Our body, and the reason being why this isn't working is because it's out of alignment between our genetics and our way that our bodies are adapted. So being in this metabolic state of ketosis creates this blood sugar stabilization it lowers inflammation, and you become this fat-burning machine. But that's not to say that everybody needs to be in ketosis forever and ever, and that's not something that I teach in ketotarian. I, I think a lot of people do well with more of a cyclical ketotarian approach where they have that, they built that metabolic foundation and flexibility, meaning that they are a fat burner. They, are, they do have great energy. They are at an optimal healthy weight for themselves. But they, they can go in and out of ketosis because they are at that better place of health during those eight weeks of being plant-based keto. So they maybe do three or four days of plant-based keto, and then the remaining days in the week, they up their carbohydrates from real foods like sweet potatoes or fruits or rice or something like that. But it's about finding what's right for your body. And to my earlier point, we're all different. So it's, it's a matter in my mind of using plant-based keto to reset your body to calm things down. And then from there, you can see how you can use it, whether you need it to use it as a reset, you do a cyclical throughout your week, or some people do better with it longer term. People with insulin resistance, weight loss resistance, people with inflammatory issues, beta-hydroxybutyrate is the main ketone. It's, it's uh, not just good for your metabolism, it's also an epigenetic modulator, so it calms inflammation levels down too. So Really, the heart of functional medicine is that too, is finding out what's right for your body and then sticking with it. Yep. And that is so important. And I'm so glad that you mentioned it because we really do need to tune in and listen to our body. And I love that you mentioned only eight weeks or, you know, if you've got chronic disease, that is, you know, a perfect time for you to look at a ketotarian type of diet. But I see it a lot on social media, people staying in ketosis for long periods of time and then almost doing more damage. And this is something that we really need to be mindful of. Like, is it the right time for you? Like, is going into a keto diet the right time for you, considering what's going on in your life, where your hormones are at and things like that? So I just really want everyone to tune in and see someone like Will and, and get the data and make sure that it is working for you and your body. It's so important. I just, I think it's so detrimental to so many people's health when they just pick up a book and they go, yeah, I'm going to give this a go. And they haven't really even tuned into themselves. For sure. I think that any way of eating has to be born out of a 
intuitiveness with yourself. And that's really the heart of ketotarian is loving your body enough to nourish it with good foods and 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 saying how how can I nourish my body with good foods today and how how do these foods make me feel? And a lot of times people are divorced from their biochemistry and how their body feels because they are inflamed and they're stressed out and they're not eating consciously, they're just reactively eating. So as much as I want someone to become a metabolic fat burner and lower inflammation levels down, all that stuff that comes along with eating this clean, plant-based, ketogenic approach, that's one part. But what's the ethos? What's the actual root of why they should be doing it in the first place? And I think it really has to originate, for it to be sustainable at least, I think it has to originate from a place of self-respect. And I think that self-care is a form of self-respect. And out of realizing your intrinsic value will flow healthy actions. And I think a lot of times you're right in the sense that people get this book, they're excited about it, and then they have a completely unhealthy relationship with their body, an unhealthy relationship with food, and then they just add to their pile of books or diets they've tried. And it's, what's the point of this? And I really want this to be a game changer for people, but the game changer has to start with your head and your heart. And from there, you can use food to dynamically instruct your biochemistry to achieve your health goals. But I think that's a ripple effect of a self-respect. Like the analogy that I use in Ketotarian is if we realize we're a Tesla instead of an old junk car, how will that influence how we treat ourselves? How will that influence the foods that we eat and the movements we do and the rest we give ourselves? Because the people that own the Teslas are taking very good care and parking way at the end and not dinging it and not running it into things. So that's how we need to see ourselves because we're ultimately all creations and, and uniquely made. And I think when we realize that, we'll flow healthy actions. Absolutely. I always say the same thing. Love yourself enough to nourish your temple, not deprive or come from that place of fear. It's like love yourself so much that you want to put the best quality organic ingredients in your body, in your mind, the movement, every area of your life. It's so important. I'm curious to hear what are some of the problems that you see with a conventional ketogenic diet? There's a lot of it. <laughs> There's a lot of it. And I lay it out in Ketotarian, but the main ones are, I would say, a lot of it flows from macronutrients trumps quality of food. And that's how that they see it. Basically, as long as it's high fat, low carb, they go for it. And what that can lead to, not all the time, but can lead to a lot of times is really eating any old food as long as it's high fat, low carb, as, as long as it's quote unquote keto. And that leads them to eating a lot of meats and processed meats and deli meats and any old dairy and avoiding vegetables. And I don't think that that's good for most people long-term. Again, short-term, I, I don't deny that it's better than the standard Western diet. But just because something's better doesn't mean it's optimal. And just because you're off of sugar now doesn't mean that it's going to be long-term good for your health. And I think at that point, there's amazing, exciting research about ketosis. There's no doubt about it. Beta-hydroxybutyrate can do amazing things for the mitochondria and the brain and the metabolism and lower inflammation levels. It's 
exciting stuff. But let's do it in a way that's sustainable for long-term wellness. And that's why I didn't want to abandon that awesome resource. Let's do it in a way that's practical for the everyday person long-term. So I think that's the, the number one thing I see unintentionally being done wrong in the conventional ketogenic diet. And they also go for artificial sweeteners because it's low carb, like aspartame and sucralose and these other things like that. And I think ultimately another problem that I see in the ketogenic world conventionally done is that because they're focusing so much on macronutrients and being high fat, low carb, it can create sort of this negative relationship with food. I think it can create some over uh, zealousness, this anxiety, this stress, this sort of arduous relationship with food where they're just calculating everything just to be high fat, low carb and making sure the carbs are low enough. And look, some people are biohackers and some people are into that stuff and more power to them. But there's a lot of people that are trying to do that, to try to do it right, but it's just adding to their stress and anxiety. And stress is not good for your health. And we have to kind of go and if food is becoming a chore, I really think for long-term wellness, we need to check about the sustainability of why we're doing what we're doing food-wise or whatever we're talking about. And to that point, I think that orthorexia is a problem in the wellness world, not just with the keto world, but really across the board. Becoming overly obsessive about healthy food isn't healthy. And a lot of people are coming into the ketogenic world or any other way of eating, and it's they're bringing their maybe bad relationship or poor relationship with food into their wellness journey. And what it ends up being is an eating disorder disguised as wellness. And I don't think that's healthy either. And this is really antithetical of everything that I teach about and everything that I talk about in Ketotarian. This has to be born out of self-love and nourishing your body, not about another restrictive way to punish your body into submission so you can get what you want out of it. So that, those are kind of the top things that I see in the conventional keto world and beyond. But specifically because we're talking about keto, this is what I see. So if someone listening realizes, okay, I'm maybe in that category of stressing around food and becoming obsessed with it, turning, you know, this wellness obsession into, you know, it's injected into every day of their life and it's causing a lot of stress and maybe you know, they think, okay, I, I might have orthorexia. What can we do? Because I know for me, as, as soon as food is meant to be fun and a source of nourishment, absolutely, from a place of love, but as soon as I personally feel a little bit bored with food, that is when I know I've got to mix things up. Because, you know, I eat 90% plant-based and I eat all organic and then I eat some really good quality, healthy fats and protein. That's only 10% of my diet. And I and usually during my days, I tend to eat the same sort of thing. You know, I eat majority plant-based, a little bit of fat, a little bit of protein. But as soon as I get bored or I'm like, oh, I have that, oh, I can't be bothered. I know that I've got to mix things up. I've got to get creative. And then I use that time in the kitchen you know, as a meditation, I'll put on some music maybe, and I just have fun with it. I'll get Leo, my little stepson in there, and we'll make a really healthy dessert. And seeing the joy through him brings that back for me. But I'm curious to hear your thoughts for someone who is listening, who thinks, you know, food is 
a stressful thing and maybe they're dealing with orthorexia, how can they move through it? Well, I think you need to talk to somebody that is qualified. I think with any eating disorder, you need to find a qualified therapist to walk you through it. And I think that a support system is important. I think acknowledgement is important. I think that getting help professionally is important with this too. And, you know, from a functional medicine standpoint, we do a lot when it comes to helping somebody heal their relationship with food and making food their friend. And look, a lot of times people become orthorexic, most of the time, I would say, actually, because of a real health problem. And their food is causing these reactions and these symptoms in, in themselves that they, really, the orthorexia was born out of their real physiological health problems and gut issues and autoimmunity. That's what I see a lot. But because of the real physical issues, now it's becoming this mental, emotional issue too. So at that point, my job as a functional medicine practitioner is to deal with the physiological things that actually cause all this mess. But then at the same time, there has to be a mental, emotional support too from a qualified therapist in eating disorders. So I think that you know we all need to work together as healthcare professionals to get this person well again. And I would say that at least the people I speak to that have orthorexia, it really was born out of a real health problem and foods were causing issues in them. But because they're having reactions to all these healthy foods, because their gut gut, uh, issues are so robust in the sense that they're having reactions to healthy foods. And then you become sort of anxious about it of, wait, I'm, I'm reacting to these healthy foods. What am I supposed to eat? And then they become more and more restrictive and more and more obsessive and more and more Googling. And then Dr. Google has all these conflicting advice. So they become quite this sort of endless vortex of conflicting information and stress and anxiety. I see it on an hourly basis with people, but most of the time it's born out of real health problems. So I would say, A, let's deal with your real health problems. And that's what we're here for in functional medicine. But at the same time, part of that healing is dealing with the mental, emotional, and the trauma that this real physical problem brought you and healing from that trauma. Stress is a real big issue, isn't it? You know, it's a common theme amongst every podcast guest I have on the show. It's what that's doing to us physically, emotionally, spiritually, what it's doing to our work, our relationships. So what is your advice for people that come and see you who you can see are highly stressed and it's not just affecting their choices with food, but it's affecting every single area of their life. Like, what do you recommend? I recommend finding a practice that resonates with you. For me and and a lot of my patients, what resonates with us to create, create calm and to create a presence, which is, I think, a diffuser of stress, is mindfulness practice. Specifically, just it's very simple of just becoming aware of your breath and observing your breath. And a second component to that is becoming aware of what Eckhart Tolle calls your inner body or just basically your body's aliveness, like the vibration of your body and feeling feeling it in the present moment. So I think those are anchors in the present moment, which are diffusers of stress. Because then you start realizing, whoa, this stress isn't me. These thoughts and emotions aren't me. I'm just observing them. And that allows a lightness 
and a grace to happen to allow those things to come and go and be less stagnant, less rooted in your being because you realize they're just, they're just passing through. So I, that's one. And out of a present moment awareness will flow healthy actions with whatever you need to do in the present moment. So I think a mindfulness practice is paramount for managing stress and putting stress in context. Some people will tell you they don't do well with mindfulness and meditation. And I would say most of the time they're probably not fully realizing they're not their thoughts and emotions yet. But I don't doubt that some people do better with other emotions or other actions to get in that sort of mindful present state. Some people, uh, healthy exercise or yoga or Tai Chi or running can be a very meditative way to anchor yourself in the present moment. So I think I'm not saying everybody needs to do what I do, but they need to find that action, that, that practice that puts them in the present moment. Because I think most people are stressed because of an unhealthy relationship with the present moment and they find it intolerable. They find it, uh, they find what they're going through annoying and they're irritated by it versus just saying, look, I either have to be in acceptance of the present moment. I've either, I have to be enjoying the present moment or enthusiastic. Those are your three options. Anything else will create you stress and anxiety and stress and anxiety for other people. So I think that those are some things that we in functional medicine even bring to the table of of bringing awareness to people's daily choices. Because how many poor food choices or poor life wellness choices are made because their present moment is, their relationship with the present moment is dysfunctional. Yeah, it's so true. I see it a lot. And this is the same as with your diet. It's really about tuning in and finding those practices, whatever it is for you, that really resonate with you and bring about that inner calm. And I love what you said. I just think that's so powerful because I talk a lot about the inner mean girl, the inner critic, you know, that says you're not good enough or you're not smart enough or you're not working hard enough. That voice inside our head, I love what you said, you know, you just let it pass on by. Like I visualize it like like clouds. You let them pass on by. But what most people do is they believe those thoughts to be true. And then that's what causes the the dis-ease and the stress in their life. But you are not those thoughts. They are just clouds that need to pass on by. And we need to cultivate a lifestyle that allows us to create that inner calm, that inner peace as much as we possibly can. Completely. I think that this is so important. And I think the conversation that you're bringing to people that are listening is really important too, because it's tough. We're talking about food and diets and exercise and all that stuff. This all has to be a natural byproduct of a of a healthy relationship with yourself and your life. And then from there, you can do amazing things with the choices you make. But I think it should be all a flow from this good space. Mm, absolutely. Something I'm working on within myself at the moment is really cultivating and being highly aware of when I feel that cortisol in my body. I literally can feel it in my cells. And becoming the observer of that cortisol rush through my body and, and kind of questioning and having a conversation or why, why did I feel that? You know, what was going on in my environment that 
that contributed to that? And how can I adjust? You know, what can I do to really support my nervous system? And my immune system to maybe in the future that not happens. So that's something that I'm really mindful of at the moment because cortisol running through your veins is not, it's not good for us. It's really not good for us. It affects everything, not just our health, you know, especially like our gut health. It affects our relationships. It affects everything. So really find those things that bring about that inner peace and calm within yourself. Like Will said, you know, whether it's running or meditation or whatever it is, find those things that allow that to swim through your veins instead of cortisol. Something else that I've recently been doing is mindfulness mandala coloring in books. And I've been doing it just before bed and it's really calming and beautiful and I absolutely love it. So there's something else that you guys can try out. That's great. I love that. I, I want to try that out too. <laughs> and it's really good with kids. How many kids do you have? I have two. I have a son that's 12 as well and a daughter that's nine. I don't believe you. Like you look like you look like you are like 26. I just don't. I, 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 see, it's all that ketotarian eating, but I'm actually 35. <laughs> wow. And it's all the mindfulness, I bet. Yeah, right. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay. So I want to touch on what are the benefits of this more plant-based ketogenic diet? Yeah. So specifically, I love the research around being in these times of ketosis. So if you go eight weeks plant-based keto, and then you'd maybe do a cyclic or cyclical ketotarian. Some people do a seasonal ketotarian where maybe in the summer they'll enjoy more fresh fruits and watermelon and strawberries and fruits like this. And then the, in the winter, they'll naturally be more ketotarian. And that's something that our ancestors would have done as well. And then So let me just say that. What are the benefits of eating this way, of having this metabolic foundation of being a fat burner, is that beta-hydroxybutyrate, the main ketone, actually can pass through the blood-brain barrier, and it provides the brain clean energy, which I think is great. It actually enhances what is called brain-derived neurotropic factor, or BDNF, which you need to make new neurons. The old thought was, you know, you only have so many uh, brain cells and then if the brain cells die, you don't have any more. Well, the reality is your body has the innate ability to produce new neurons and you need BDNF to do that. And one way to enhance BDNF is nutritional ketosis. And another mechanism that I love with being in this time of being plant-based keto is that back to the inflammation level, I think this is fascinating, the way that our body can naturally do this. Because when your body produces beta-hydroxybutyrate, all these pro-inflammatory cytokines that just about every health problem that we see today, at least to some degree, is inflammatory. So this ketone lowers something called NF-kappa-B, which is this pro-inflammatory cytokine. It lowers these other inflammasomes and it increases these pro-antioxidant pathways, which you know antioxidants are healthy, where your body naturally does this. It increases the AMPK pathway, the NRF2 pathway. These are disease-fighting pathways, which is why so much research is being done on the ketogenic diet as far as cancer and decreasing insulin resistance and lowering inflammation levels. And these are the pathways that they're looking at. And I also love what it can do to the mitochondria. And the mitochondria 
our, our, your cellular energy warehouses and factories. And ketones actually pass through the cell membrane and increase something called mitochondrial biogenesis, which is making new mitochondria. Not m- very many things can do that, but ke- ketones can. So this is the wonderful power that your body has if you tap into it, if you allow it to. So it's something that I have seen clinically over the past 10 years and thousands of patients over the years. But I now, it's really cool. Now that the book's out, I can look on social media and just look at hashtag Ketotarian. And I'm hearing all these cool success stories on Twitter and Instagram and on Facebook now to see people that I've never met kind of take this information and do it in their own way on their own, which is really cool. Yeah, I love that. Do you think a lot of your success with your clients is due to the fact that you have this very whole body holistic approach to health and wellness? Yeah, it is. And I, you know, I, I take that journey of someone's health journey very seriously. It's a very sacred journey and I don't take that lightly and I have to meet the patient where they're at. And I start my morning off just looking at the schedules and saying, how can I be there for them in the way that they need it? And I cannot be myopic and just say, well, this is the way that everybody needs to do things. I need to really look at their labs, look at their health history comprehensively. And then the, this, the dichotomy of functional medicine is, yes, the science of it, which I just talked about. But then the other side of that coin is the art of functional medicine and using real life as a, a, as a lab and seeing, okay, this is a day-to-day how someone's feeling. Let's adjust it accordingly. So it is definitely a science and art to functional medicine. And that's the balance of those two wings of it is really, I think, at the heart of the success that we've seen over the years of balancing those two aspects of our field of healthcare. Mm, I love that. I would love now to turn the spotlight on you a little bit more and hear what is something that you're working on or would like to improve within yourself at the moment? That's a good question. I would say for me, it is anxiety and it's something that I've been public about in writing and I've better than I was, but I'm not where I want to be. And I think a lot of people can, can relate to that. And I have a lot of energy and I want to do a lot of stuff. And sometimes that comes in the form of anxiety. And I just need to recenter myself and go back to my mindfulness practice and just deal with the physiological aspects of anxiety too. Because I have uh, autoimmune conditions on both sides of my family. I have a double MTHFR mutation, which means my body's not that good at bringing inflammation levels down. So I have to be on top of my health more than the average person to keep my my inflammation levels down and keep my brain chilled out. So yeah, that's for me, is definitely staying in a calm Zen place. I'm the same as you. I have the MTHFR gene and COMPT. So for me, again, it's like something that wouldn't necessarily stress or affect my husband stresses and affects me. And it's just, mm-hmm. you know, I have to be very mindful of really staying on top of my mindfulness practices where for him, it's, you know, he doesn't, it doesn't affect him as much. So yeah, I can absolutely relate to what you were just saying. And I was curious to know, you know, a lot of people get into the health and wellness space through a health crisis, but that really wasn't the case for you. Was it more just like maintenance and wanting vibrancy 
and longevity or was there, you know, a turning point for you? For me, it was, I have autoimmune conditions in my family. I think that was part of it and wanting to learn more about autoimmunity and the different aspects of it. And I think beyond that and wanting to help them, it was just me being fascinated by wellness as as a whole. I'm just kind of a nerd when it comes to that. So I think that my intellectual curiosity about biochemistry and natural medicines and foods and all of that stuff, food is fun for me. Like I geek out like going through the aisles of whole foods and like health food stores and farmers markets. I love that kind of stuff. So I think it's just was has always been a passion for me. Yeah, me too. I love health food stores. My husband and I are the same. We're like, when we discover a new one, we're like, yes, or a new, a new farmer's market. It's like the best. We love walking around and chatting to the yeah. farmers. It's it's so much fun. Yeah, it's so much better than like buying clothes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So let's pretend now that you have a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every single high school around the world. Now, besides your book, let's pretend that that book's already in the curriculum. What is the one book that you would choose? I would say Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now, is what I would say. Yeah, it's a goodie. It's a real goodie. And we'll link to that and obviously your book in the show notes for anyone who wants to grab those. All righty, let's talk about your day and your morning routine in particular. I love hearing about how people set themselves up for success and prime themselves for the day. So do you have a morning routine and can you share it with us? Sure. So as we started off the conversation today, I start my day off with intermittent fasting. So I'm not really concerned about making breakfast normally. I intermittent fast because I actually am not hungry. Because again, I've built that metabolic flexibility. I don't, I'm not needing, I eat when I'm hungry, basically. And I'm hungry normally around noon. So that's when I eat. And so the morning I I let my dogs out, my two golden doodles, and I let them go out. I feed them. My family's normally still sleeping when I leave. And I go to the clinic. And that's when we see patients around the world via webcam. And so I need to get my day prepped. So again, we meet them. I meet with my team. We go over the schedule. And we really start the day off in prayer and meditation for the day. And I say, oh, how can we serve each person here? So we go over just the, the ethos of the day of how we can be of servitude to these people and seeing each one and what they're going through. And then we deal with the practical, the labs and the logistics and the case reviews and all of that stuff that we need to go over. And then that's what I do during the week. And it sounds pretty boring because that's really all I do. I'm, I mean, through the work week, I'm seeing patients all day long. So until I go home, that's what I'm doing. And then some days I do case reviews and writing. I love writing and that's kind of where Ketotarian came from is just me writing a lot. So I write for Mind Body Green, I write for Goop. And yeah, that's kind of my day routine. And do you have an evening routine when you get home? My evening routine is spending one-on-one time with my kids. So I turn my phone off, I unplug, and I practice mindfulness and being there with my family. 
because there's a different frequency when you're like ongoing, you know, everybody can relate to this that's listening that works outside of the home. It's that there's a different frequency from work to home. So you need to, and what I need to do and what I, what I, what I would recommend, recommend anybody to do is to unplug and to recalibrate your frequency when you get home. And I think that that you need, we all need to as parents, or if we have a spouse or significant other or anything in our life, we want to give it our all. We want to give it our full undivided attention. And our world has a lot of distractions. And anybody that's working out of the home, we have very limited time really when it comes down to it with the ones we love. So I want to savor every moment I can. I'm a work in progress. I'm not, I've not arrived. I have, going back to the anxiety thing, I have a tendency to wander. My mind has a tendency to wander. But I have to really focus on bringing myself to the present moment because I want to take in all those cool times with my kids as I can. So that's my evening routine is just hanging out with them. Yeah, so that's my, my day. I love that. Thank you for sharing. What would you say for someone like my husband and I, who we work and obviously live together, I'm a massive believer in the, we call them pattern breaks. So once our work day is finished, doing something that, like you said, because there's a different energy, shifting that energy so that you can step into, you know, home, family, wife mode and, and kind of close the door, close the laptop, turn the phone off from work mode. So for someone who's at home, what do you suggest in that case? I think... It could be something as just a few moments of like mindfulness breathing, but I actually think a really good resetter, like a recalibrator of energy mode. And I don't mean just energy mode, like from a metaphysical standpoint, I just mean like your body energy of what you're feeling, your emotions, your thoughts, all of that stuff. A good recalibrator of that, I think are baths actually. I think a hot bath with some like Epsom salt, maybe some essential oils and just soaking in that for like 15, 20 minutes and just breathe. Like don't be on electronics or be distracted. Just breathe and calm down. I feel like that is a good recalibrator of one's energy. So if you work from home, if you work out of home, that really can be a good line in the sand, so to speak, between work mode and home mode and family mode. Yeah, I love that. I am a massive fan of baths. What I usually do is do a meditation. So once I've finished my work and closed my laptop for the day, I usually finish the day, bookend the day with a meditation. And that really helps me transition or a shower or a bath or something like that. That really is powerful for me. It's great. Okay. So I've got three rapid fire questions for you. Are you ready? Let's go. What is one of the most important things that we can do today for our health? Just one thing. I would say focus, bring more healthy plant fats into your life. What are some healthy plant fats? I'd say avocados, avocado oil, olives and olive oil and nuts and seeds and some coconut. So those are some good plant fats. Mm, yummo. Some of my favorites. Okay. What is one of the most important things that we can do today for our wealth? So more abundance in all areas of our life. Stay in your lane. I think keep your nose to the ground and stay in your lane. And by that, I mean, don't compare yourself to other people. You're on your own journey and comparison with other people is fine if you're inspired, but not if it's creating anxiety and stress and you're feeling like you're 
not good enough. So staying in your lane, I think, is is a really important for any prosperity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely agree with you on that one. And the last one is what is the most important thing that we can do today for more love in our life? I would say give when you don't feel like it. And I think that will start to reshift your heart and be more unconditional and not just love when you feel like someone deserves it, but give when you feel like they don't deserve it. And I think that something Eckhart Tolle says is outflow determines inflow. And I think that that is is something that we need to keep in mind. Mm, I absolutely love that so much because it's in those times where we are maybe a little bit stubborn and we think, no, well, they don't deserve my love. They wronged me. I'm not giving it to him or I'm going to wait for them to give it to me first and then I'll open up. But no, you're absolutely right. Give even when you don't want to, even when you don't feel like it, because that will shift something within you and mm-hmm. you know dissolve any anger or any frustration that may be there. So I love that. I've, I wrote that one down, so I'm going to be doing that one. Thanks. All righty. So I'd love to hear now, what are three things you're most recently grateful for? I am grateful for my team. I just told them this morning, I, I said, <laughs> I told them, I said, we are all like part of this awesome diamond of like this light reflectors, but we all have a, we're all like different faces on this diamond reflecting light in a different way. And I think that that is, I'm really thankful for that and the impact that we're having on in the world. I'm thankful, obviously for my family, that's not a new thing. And I'm thankful for my book. I'm thankful for that it's come out into fruition and it's impacting people in a positive way. Beautiful. Is there anything else that you want to share with my tribe? Anything that we didn't touch on that you really want to get across? Any last parting words of wisdom? I would say, you know, if if any of the things we talked about today resonate with you, I would say look into it more. Look into functional medicine, educate yourself. If being plant-based keto resonates with you, educate yourself on it. And if mindfulness and all the cool things we talked about today resonates with you, look into it. I think it'll be really inspiring to people. So no, I think we covered so many cool things. I I can't really add to that. Well, it has been such a pleasure getting to know you and feel your energy. You have such a big energy. You can really tell that you want to serve, that you are here to help others. You're such a beautiful person and you have such a clear, light energy. I know we're all work in progresses, but it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you and feeling your energy from the other side of the world. But I am a huge believer in service and being of service to others. And I would love to know how can I and the listeners serve you today? What can we do to serve you? Hmm, that's a really good question. I would say this is sound probably so so cliched, but I think you would serve me really by sharing maybe this conversation and getting the word out with functional medicine. It's something that I'm passionate about. And I think a lot of people could really use this information because a lot of people are struggling with health problems and they feel like they, they have no other options and they're left to really fend for themselves. So I think the more people hear about functional medicine and what we're doing, and by we, I mean not just me, but the 
the field of functional medicine, I think that this will start changing the paradigm of the conventional model of care in Australia and the United States and beyond. So that's what I think someone could do. Beautiful. Yes, please share this. Please get this message out there. And I just wanted to thank you so much for the work that you're doing in the world, for taking a holistic, whole body, mind, body, spirit, look at everything. I love that you are out there doing this and blazing this trail because it's so important. We need more people doing this. So thank you so much. Thank you for the work that you're doing and for your big, beautiful heart and for your time today. I am so grateful that we have had this time. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. I got so much out of today's episode and I totally believe that we all need to eat more plants. Plants rock. So if you loved today's episode and got a lot out of it, please subscribe and leave me a five-star review in iTunes or on your podcast app, because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And don't forget to come and join the private MA Tribe Facebook group where you can share your insights from this episode. Plus, tell me who else you want me to get on the show. It's also a sacred space where we can come together to discuss all things Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide, along with anything else you feel called to contribute to the open and honest conversation. You will also get some extra love and support personally from me that I won't be offering anywhere else. One thing I get asked a lot is where can I find my tribe or where can I find like-minded people? This is it, people. So head to melissaambrosini.com forward slash tribe to join now. And for everything that Dr. Will and I mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that is over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 173. And you can also listen to all my other episodes there too. Another thing I wanted to mention before we go is that if you haven't read my latest book, Open Wide, A Radically Real Guide to Deep Love, Rocking Relationships, and Soulful Sex, all you have to do is head to melissarambrosini.com forward slash open wide to get your copy now. And whilst you're there, you can also get access to my free open wide video masterclass that Nick and I created just for you. And if you want to be the review of the week for next week, make sure you head on over to iTunes and leave me that review right now. I would be so, so grateful. And it means that I can just continue to get more epic people on the show for you. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best and healthiest version of yourself and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. Take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, my darling, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.